Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante, imagination, innovation, science in action. The historically wet winter early this year has motivated greater adoption of a water management strategy known as Flood Managed Aquifer Recharge, or Flood Mar, in which excess flood flows are diverted onto farmland to boost depleted groundwater aquifers. They knew from the previous year, even in intense drought years, they have opportunities with these big storm events and need to do everything they can, according to the California Department of Water Resources Director Carla Nemeth, as she addressed water managers, farmers, government officials, and others as part Part of the flood mar forum in Sacramento held recently. She says their ability to respond to those kinds of intense rain events is becoming increasingly important. Artificial intelligence on the farm is no longer a sci-fi dream, but a reality. But there are costs as well as benefits, as the Senate Ag Committee heard at a recent AI hearing. The benefits are clear, according to the University of California Davis's Mason Earls, who co-leads a USDA-funded AI Institute for Next Generation Food Systems. These national AI institutes are working on programs that aim to relieve labor shortages via AI-driven robotic harvesters and tree crops, monitor the health and stress of livestock using AI-enabled sensors, and predict climate and crop risk by building AI-accelerated models that could eventually be used to precisely control irrigation and nutrient emitters. Deere and Company's Senior Vice President and Chief Technology Officer Jamie Hinman says the Moline, Illinois firm already builds security into its software. We then look towards external partners to help us do things like penetration testing. We uh, partner with uh, White Hat Hackers. Uh, Hacker One mm-hmm. would be an example where we do a bug bounty program. We pay for uh, ethical hackers to try to hack into our systems and, and expose vulnerabilities before they become public so that we can remedy those. And Henman says producers have the final say on data privacy, but more research is needed in a rapidly growing field, something lawmakers may consider as part of the next farm bill. Salinas-based Intelligistics, a leader in the digital transformation of the perishable supply chain, was recently granted a patent by the United States Patent and Trademark Office for their system method and computer program product for predicting perishable product temperatures and quality. The patent process used independently or in conjunction with their IntelliCool product combines environmental and product data with real-time temperature probe data and cooling, cold storage, transport, and other stages of perishable supply chain. The result is optimization of cooling cycles and tunnels, tubes, mat coolers, and other cooling assets to provide maximum efficiency, according to the company. This extends the shelf life, increases throughput, results in significant savings in labor and energy use, improvement in sustainability, and a reduction in food waste, according to the company. 
With a 2023 California organic grape crop on its last legs and Peru still several weeks away from volume, there is a tight supply situation for the post-Thanksgiving period. And while supplies will increase and be decent in the December through February timeframe, there should still be a very strong organic grape market for most of the next five months. At Anthony Vineyards in Bakersfield, they are wrapping up harvest on their California greens and anticipate harvest on organic reds going into the second week of December. John Harley, Vice President of sales and marketing at Anthony Vineyards notes that the heavy rains from Hurricane Hillary that hit California in late August resulted in a significant decline in volume towards the end of the summer and early fall. While some of the later maturing varieties were not hit as hard, the crop is still ending its season sooner than originally expected. Oftentimes, California shipments can go to the end of December, especially on the conventional side of the ledger. This year's grape season is just not lasting this long, according to Harley. Anthony Vineyards is in its third year of bringing in organic grapes from Peru and its volume is increasing each year. Harley says they are not going to have crazy volume but they will have an increase over last season. They're expecting about 30 loads beginning at the end of November and lasting through January into February. Anthony Vineyards unloads its Peruvian organic grapes at the Port of Long Beach in Southern California and it will sell virtually all of those grapes in the West. Applauding the recent decision by USDA to pause regulatory work on a table grape systems approach proposed by Chile, Kathleen Nave, president of the California Table Grape Commission, said the industry is encouraging USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack to permanently abandon the proposal. According to comments submitted in a federal register by the California Table Grape Commission, the implementation of the proposed systems approach would end the current empirically effective requirement that all table grapes from Chile be fumigated before distribution to the United States. The published comments note that the current fumigation is highly effective at killing pests that pose serious risks to the California table grape industry. Noting a recent and very public push by the Chilean importers that urge USDA to publish the proposed systems approach in a federal register as a final rule in time for the upcoming Chilean season. The change would introduce a significant risk of potentially devastating infestations to the wine, juice, raisin, and table grape crops across the country, according to Nave. Noting a recent and very public push by Chilean importers that urged USDA to publish a proposed systems approach in the Federal Register as a final rule in time for the upcoming Chilean season. Nave says that Chile has perfectly adequate access to the U.S. marketplace. Chilean table grape growers have been shipping under the fumigation requirements for a decade. She said the latest three-year average volume of table grapes from Chile to the U.S. is 40 million 18-pound boxes so the idea that Chilean growers won't be able to supply the U.S. market without this new untried system is simply not true. Nave said that U.S. producers do not want this system put in place and the fact that Chilean importers do should carry no weight with USDA. In celebration of National Philanthropy Day, California Giant Berry Farms has announced the distribution of $53,500 to 10 nonprofit organizations from its foundation called the California Giant Foundation. The funds are a culmination of the fundraising efforts throughout the year, including California Giant's Skirt Steak Barbecue and year-long office-wide initiative spearheaded by employees. The money was distributed among nonprofit organizations that work in accordance with the foundation's pillars, which include child 
childhood obesity and nutrition, hunger and food insecurity, prevention and awareness of disease, and organizations seeking to improve the quality of life for others at the community and local levels. In addition to the foundation's year-end activities, they also have Santa's workshop right around a corner, which allows California Giant employees to sponsor families in need for the holiday season with additional funds that are raised. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture, a better way, where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a Human Touch. Visit Huma.us to learn more. We have been making, you know, a big effort to scale down this information so growers and technical service provider can realize what is happening at their farm or their neighbor's farm and somehow get prepared for more severity and more frequency in the climate anomalies. Daniele Zachariah discussing climate smart agriculture, the next big trend for California specialty crop production, which will look to be addressed by measures like cover cropping, heat and drought mitigation, frost risk mitigation, spray drift corrections, carbon sequestration, and more. UCCE advisors are hosting the first workshops of their kind this month and next to directly address these issues as they relate to climate change. Together with uh, uh, Tapam Patak, who is a, a climate change uh, specialist uh, at UC Merced, we decided to put together this uh, these two workshops. Uh, one is going to be uh, in um, Tulare uh, on um, November 29, and it will be focusing on uh, climate smart practices for fruit and nut production. The second one will be um, in uh, San Luis Obispo on December 7th. It will focus on uh, vegetables and um, berry and uh, wine grape production. And the reason why we decided to put together um, those meetings is to provide growers and technical assistance providers and water district managers um, with um, a bunch of new information and tools that have been um, in the work in the last couple of years um, through research and extension education uh, and outreach effort done by the University of California. Um, so there, there is the ability now to um, obtain information for growers and be prepared to um, perturbation and, and, and climate phenomena and uh, weather anomalies that, that can really compromise uh, their specialty crop production. Just to name a few, the, uh, the big swing that we are observing between uh, uh, available water supply uh, from one year to the other, for example, 2021 and 2022 were severe drought condition and 2023 we got flooding conditions. So there's a big variation and big variability from one year to the other on water supply and water availability, but also over the course of the normal crop season, 
we are observing much more frequent uh, weather anomalies like frost or heat waves or period of um, um, uh, high temperature uh, or, um, you know, cold temperature that are happening. And now there is a possibility to somehow um, anticipate their occurrence and a little bit anticipate their magnitude and severity and for growers to be geared up and be prepared um, and also put in place some um, some mitigation and adaptation strategies. So the reason uh, behind this two workshop is to inform them about the possibility to and, and source of information for preparedness and mitigation and adaptation strategies. The meetings will start off by providing to growers a web repository of currently available and researched climate smart practices for agriculture. And later, UCCE researchers will go into detail with results and execution on these practices. We basically compiled a collection of uh, uh, material and educational um, documents on uh, on um, climate smart agricultural practices uh, from California in uh, from uh, different uh, similar um, areas agricultural production areas worldwide. Uh, but also, we are going to provide. Um, um, information about uh, what is going on uh, for the different uh, specialty crops in uh, the climate-related challenges for uh, the production of fruits and nuts and vegetable. Um, and also in the afternoon, uh, in the afternoon session, we're, we're going to focus to uh, local case studies where uh, research has been done on uh, mitigation adaptation strategies, for instance, mulching, uh, the use of cover cropping for vegetable production or nut production in um, uh, the use of biostimulant for mitigating heat and drought uh, stress but also orchard recycling. And, uh, and also we're gonna provide uh, information on the existing financial incentives for, um, uh, for farmers to be more resource efficient and also um, sustainable from the, the point of um, uh, environmental point of view. So it's uh, basically, a, it's a collection of information tools in, um, in um, a data from local, from general studies and from local case study that will create um, um, a, a, a basically a, a, a database of information that is freely accessible to growers uh, for preparedness and for putting in place some um, adaptation and mitigation strategy uh, against the climate change impact on their production. For the last few years, Zachariah and researchers have been working to downsize the scale of climate smart management from a continental and regional scale to a farm-specific scale, making practices more accessible to growers. Traditionally, information on, on climate change and climate variability has been always portrayed like a regional or big area, like continental uh, scale. We are being, we have been making, you know, a big effort to scale down this information so growers and technical service provider can realize what is happening at their farm or their neighbor's farm and somehow 
get prepared for more severity and more frequency in the climate anomalies there we are observing since uh, about 10 to 15 years so what we really expect um, as outcome from this uh, meetings is first of all increase the awareness of what's going on in uh, uh, with the uh, scientific evidence and the results of research but also uh, provide uh, the sources of information where they can get uh, um, the uh, somehow an idea of the magnitude or the frequency of occurrence of phenomena that uh, they haven't observed um, uh, traditionally, but that are going on and are going to be um, happening with uh, increased frequency. So it's it's a it's a it's uh, basically a workshop for outreaching the um, information that resulted from uh, uh, recent research effort and also disseminating results from, um, from our case study. And the case studies are a practical example because they're being mostly done at the growers fields, at, at the uh, production fields. And so it's, there are examples of solution that can be put in place to, um, uh, to be protected or to, be, uh, to minimize the effect of climate change. So it's a combination of information, um, outreach and dissemina dissemination of data from um, research and scientific uh, evidence of what's going on at the farm and field level. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Competitive Markets Action and the Organization for Competitive Markets are applauding the House of Representatives for passing H.R. 6363, which included a one-year extension of the current Farm Bill. They applaud Speaker Mike Johnson and House leadership for swiftly passing the bill by an overwhelming margin in the chamber closest to the American people. That according to Marty Irby, President of Competitive Markets Action. He says they are grateful to the Ag Committee Chair, Glenn G.T. Thompson, for securing an extension of the Farm Bill through the fall of 2024. They also say the maneuver offers ample time and opportunity to get the job done right. They also hope the House and Senate leaders will produce a new farm bill that brings clarity to the marketplace by preventing the nullification of countless state and local agriculture laws that some legislatures are seeking to wipe out. Irby says they are hoping to bring significant reform to USDA's commodity checkoff programs. USDA's Deputy Secretary Zoshil Torres-Small has announced the agency is investing almost $28 million across 45 organizations that teach and train beginning farmers and ranchers, including veterans. They're providing their newest producers with the support they need to succeed and the educational resources to get their operations on the path towards long-term sustainability and profitability. The investment is part of the National Institute in Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program, which supports supports a wide range of professional development activities and topics such as managing capital, acquiring and managing land, and learning effective business and farming practices. As the average age of U.S. producers continues increasing, Taurus Small says the agency is accelerating efforts to provide meaningful support to a large number of upcoming farmers and ranchers. 
USA's annual look at trends in rural America indicates a trend of increased overall rural population. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. A positive trend in rural population growth of late. The rural population has continued to grow since 2020. The Census Bureau data shows the rural growth of a quarter percent from July 2020 through June of 2022. USDA economic researcher Jim Davis is among the authors of the 2023 edition of its Rural America at a Glass report released Wednesday. As for the significance of the trend of population growth in our nation's rural areas. This continues an important turnaround in population growth from the decade of 2010 to 2020, where annual growth rates were either negative or near zero. As for the why behind the rise in rural population as a whole, we found rural growth was due primarily to net domestic migration from urban to rural areas. In total, Davis cites five main takeaways from this year's Rural America at a Glass report, which also focuses on categories such as rural poverty and housing and clean energy. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. NASA Administrator Hubert Hamer says that Ag Census data will inform decisions about policy, farm and conservation programs, rural development, research, technology, development, ag education, and more during the next several years. He also says that data will have a very real impact on producers, their farming operations, and communities. The Ag Census data will be available at nas.usda.gov and in a NAS searchable database. Like all NAS data, Ag Census data will only be available in aggregate form and ensuring that no individual operation or producer can be identified. 2024 agricultural trade missions have been announced. USDA Undersecretary of Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, Alexis Taylor. USDA supports a series of trade missions every year. I have led five of them so far, and we've just announced the new set for 2024. Um, we will be taking U.S. Uh, farmers, ranchers, and agribusinesses to Korea, India, Canada, Colombia, Vietnam with buyers from Thailand and Morocco with buyers from Senegal and the Francophone West Africa. Taylor talks about why these trade missions are important. Well, one of the most important things we do is take U.S. businesses and match them up with buyers. So we're hoping to make actual sales, invest in relation, the trading relationship that is so important to increasing and maintaining uh, markets around the world. Um, but we also do a lot of market intelligence. We meet with buyers to understand what they're looking for, what product, what characteristics. And then we also go into the retail section and under, understand how consumers are uh, buying product, what are they looking for in the markets, and how the U.S. can really position themselves on those grocery store shelves. We're getting in every market. People trust our food and ag products. Uh, we are known for quality. We are known for safety. We are a reliable supplier, but you have to be showing up in these markets. Trade is still built on relationships, and that in-person relationship is so important. And so I think showing up in these markets, that's what our trade missions allow our industry to do. And um, I think it's a really critical tool that we have to support uh, farmers, ranchers, and agribusinesses around the country. USA Undersecretary of Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, Alexis Taylor. According to the Economic Research Service, America's farmers received 14.9 cents per dollar spent on domestically produced food in 2022. It's called the farmer's share. It's a decrease of 0.3 cents from a revised 15.2 cents in 2021. The farm share covers operating expenses and input costs from non-farm establishments. The remaining proportion of the U.S. food dollar is called the marketing share, which covers the cost of getting domestically produced food from farms to points of purchase. One of the factors 
factors behind the downward trend in the farm share is an increasing proportion of food away from home spending. Farmers get a lower portion of dollars spent on food away from home because of the added costs of preparing and serving meals. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.